A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. I it was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. Quick reminder, we have shows coming up December 3rd in New York and December 9th in Boston. Storycollider.org for more details. This week's podcast is brought to you by Lavender Wind, bringing all things lavender from farm to you. LavenderWind.com. This week's story is from Steve Zimmer. The story was recorded in August 2014 at Littlefield in Brooklyn. My first year as an underachieving Cub Scout concludes with a make-your-own-pizza party, and afterward, the den mother drops us off. And as I approach my house, I hear a bird call that I don't recognize from my cassette of recorded bird calls. (laughs) And uh, I go in the backyard, and it's uh, a baby robin is hopping around and being stalked by our neighbor Clyde's cat. Um, I know the nest it probably fell from, and I know the mother's not going to take it back. Uh, So I I scoop him up, and uh, I name him Lucky, because he's lucky I adopted him. (laughs) And uh, Lucky is initially frightened of me due to my enormous size. And, uh, but I feed him worms and earn his trust, and he starts following me around. And um, this gets me a certain measure of celebrity in the neighborhood. But I want Lucky to be a a fully actualized adult. So I teach him to fly. Uh, I put him on this rock and I hold a worm out. And he jumps and flaps and he goes a little further each time. Now, one day, my little brother, in an ambitious attempt to usurp me as Lucky's mother... um, (laughs) feeds Lucky a teaspoon of Rocky Road ice cream, and he chokes and dies. Lucky, unfortunately, not my little brother. And um, so I bury him in in the backyard beneath this uh, hollow white plastic statue of St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of animals. And I even compose a series of prayers aimed at his reanimation. And uh, they, they don't work, but I take comfort that, you know, God knows I, I did my best. Unfortunately, Lucky's not an isolated uh, case. Um, I'm always rescuing sick or orphaned animals, and then they die because I'm incompetent. And so I'm always having these elaborate funerals in the backyard that get witnessed by the neighbors out of context. <laughs> then, then one day, post-lucky, I'm walking home from school, and I see this uh, in a vacant lot, this uh, puddle, that, this dry, and it's drying up, and it's full of tadpoles, uh, toad tadpoles. Those are the tiny you know, black ones. You usually see them in you know, big bunches, as opposed to the frog tadpoles, which are uh, much larger and green, and they take longer to mature. Um, anyway, so there's about a hundred of them in this puddle. Uh, they're probably going to die if I don't save them. They're probably going to die if I save them. But <laughs> hope springs eternal, and I scoop up 83 of them in a jar and take them home. 
the dinner time uh, reception to my uh, rescue operation is, is, is discouraging. Uh, my dad's like, oh, I'm going to have to get more statues. And, and my older sister, who's into this up-and-coming band called The Talking Heads, starts calling me Psycho Killer. So the first day, two die, and the next day, one dies, and then the next day, two or three die, depending how you count the one with two heads. And um, this whole time, I'm praying for them like crazy. I pray for the souls of you know, the departed tadpoles and for the lives of the living tadpoles. And um, you know, I feel like I'm doing something. And, you know, if, and so this isn't, you know, it's not, um, I haven't done anything wrong with them dying. You know, that's you know, part of God's plan. Um, but after 23 deaths, I um, start to question this assignment of responsibility. And my faith is further shaken by Ms. McLean, who, is, um, who teaches uh, religion at my uh, Catholic school. Uh, one, and who my parents suspect of being a hippie. My, uh, um, one day she says we're going to play telephone. And she whispers a message to the first kid in class who turns around and whispers it to the next kid and you know, the next kid and goes around all 30 kids back and forth in class. Now, you know, by the 30th kid, not surprisingly, the, you know, the original message is totally gone. But as we go back and check with different kids, the surprising thing is that even after three or four kids in, the message is severely distorted. <laughs> and Ms. McLean just stands there and says, that's how the Bible was passed down. And I'm like... <laughs> um, so I, I'm like, I can't you know, believe that you know, she told us that. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, but, you know, I'm like, you know, that seals it. You know, I'm, you know it's up to me to save these tadpoles. So... Um, the, the next morning, I, um, the next Saturday morning... Well, you know, there's uh, in the nearby strip mall, there's a, a little pet store. And uh, they don't have any um, cold-blooded vertebrates except for those little turtles that die. Um, but, you know, I asked the elderly cashier, you know, about you know, tadpoles. And she's like, oh, you mean pollywogs? And, you know, even though I'm an incompetent kid, I, luckily I can sense incompetence in adults. And so, you know, I go home and I call Shasta's Exotic Pets. Um, and I identify myself as an amphibian dealer, and, uh, and they hang up on me. So I'm not a very good bike rider or map reader, but I make a desperate, unauthorized four-and-a-half-mile bike ride to Shasta's Pets. And once there, I loiter around reading pet books until the manager comes up and says, can I help you? And so I identify myself as a reptile dealer and say that I'm thinking about, you know, raising some amphibians. And he says to get out of the store and stop calling the, on the phone. And, um, you know, so I start crying because I'm very upset and because there's people around who will notice. And so, and so he says, all right, just, you know, what's the, you know, and he asks me what the problem is, and I tell him about the tadpoles. And he says, uh-huh, uh-huh, how often do you change the water? And I say, every day. And, and, and he's like, that's the problem, you're killing them with, uh, you're poisoning them with chlorine. Um, you need to, you know, pour the water into a big bowl, let it sit for a day, and let it sit for a day so that the chlorine can evaporate. And as he says this, I, you know, kind of connect this to, you know, the science film strips we've seen, and I can imagine, you know, these, you know, 
bright yellow atoms of chlorine rising above the bright blue atoms of water. Um, of course, I would later learn they're actually brightly colored molecules. But um, you know, the, the important thing is that I stop seeing science as um, uh, something you read about and, and start seeing it as a way to understand the world. So I go home, you know, I meet, you know, fill up a you know, big bowl, water, let it sit. The next day, one dies, then two die, then one dies, uh, then another dies. But I do notice some of them are starting to get back legs. And then we have a four-day stretch where none of them die. And uh, about a week after that, I notice one of them is getting you know, tiny buds of front legs. And even my sister, older sister notices the improvement, and she stops calling me psycho killer, and she starts asking me where it's new. The, a quick science note, um, the odds of going from tadpole to juvenile toad are less than 1%. Out of the 83 tadpoles I took from that puddle, I returned 47 little toads to the marshy area surrounding Beck Lake. Um, oh, thank you. Um, the, um, and as I hold the four transport jars, um, I'm conscious of how tiny the toads are. I mean, they're smaller than an eraser head and how big and dangerous Beck Lake is. And I don't think St. Francis of Assisi is there. And I don't think God is looking out for them. But that's okay. They've got me. Thank you. That was Steve Zimmer. An aging yuppie from the Midwest, Steve Zimmer was originally an academic economist and is currently a programmer, but not before working five years in an NYU immunology lab. Steve began attending The Moth in 2004 and telling stories in 2006. He is a past Grand Slam winner. This week's podcast is brought to you by Lavender Wind. Lavender Wind grows lavender on Whidbey Island in Washington. They distill it, dry it, cook with it, make it into lotions, candles, sachets, baking mixes, jams, essential oils, teas, seasonings, soaps, and cookies. Shop online for all things lavender at lavenderwind.com. To get an online discount, use the code STORYCOLLIDER1. Also, on a personal note, this is my mom's farm. And so I would appreciate it if there's anything there that you're interested in that you buy it from them. Thank you. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storycollider.org slash donate. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Littlefield for hosting the show and to my dad's pond for being a perfectly reasonable place to keep fish. Thanks for listening. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.